This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. There's no secret that um, the Seahawks are looking for their head coach. And now that uh, the Lions are out and the Ravens are out, they can focus on Mike McDonald and Ben Johnson. We've also heard that Dan Quinn is connected. Obviously, he's going to be connected. He used to be here for a while and then went to the Atlanta Falcons, had some time there. Currently, the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys while searching for their next head coach, John Schneider. He had some uh, some clear directive from Jody and cut 19. We have a clear directive. From Jody Allen moving forward as we embark on our new coaching search, it's clear, it's concise. You know, we want to keep our positive culture, what everything that's been created here, everything in this building. There's so many special people in this building. It's amazing to be on the phone with all these agents and the people that are interested in this position and to be able to explain to them, you know, like, hey, you know, there's a foundation here that's incredible. Look, he says the positive culture. There's a foundation here that is incredible. When you look at the Seahawks, Curtis, and you hear the words positive culture and foundation, what comes to mind? It comes to mind is just this ability to win over the last 14 years. Um, And that's due in large part to what Pete Carroll established. And if that is the most important directive from Jody Allen is to keep that going, uh, outside of anything that has to do with offensively or defensively, I feel like that would mean Dan Quinn is probably of most interest to the Seahawks. But then why would you wait this long when you have had multiple opportunities, I think, to seal the deal with Dan Quinn? And Quinn still has one more interview left with the Commanders. I don't believe he has any other future interviews scheduled with the Seahawks. I think he's just had his two interviews with the Seahawks so far, um, makes me wonder if the Seahawks have kind of pivoted a little bit from that and are hoping to get one of either Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald. Bump, when you hear Schneider talk about the culture and, and why Jody Allen has specifically pointed to that as the thing she wants to see uh, move forward, um, of the three, which one do you think has the best opportunity of doing that? I mean, it's clear, right? Yeah. Dan Quinn could keep things um, as close to Pete Carroll as possible. What I'm hoping is that when I hear um, John Schneider say the positivity, the foundation. So the positivity creates a great workplace. I think Pete Carroll has done a great job with that. The foundation. Is he talking about everyone in VMAC? Right, not just the football players, but the guys upstairs, the trainers, uh, PR, communications, the chefs, everything. Right, because Pete Carroll was the face of that building and that organization for 14 years, and a lot of the way, a lot of the reason the way things work, the way they do in that building, is because of what Pete Carroll created in, in his vision. So I look at Dan Quinn and I go, all right, that might be the guy if you want to keep it close to that, right? But then I look at McDonald and I look at Ben Johnson and I go, they might be able to bring their own 
own type of flavor to this thing. And I hope that they do if they are the next head coach. But there's something about Mike McDonald uh, that's a bit different for a head coach. And uh, cut number 20, Jamison Hensley, ESPN Ravens reporter, talks about that. The one thing I can guarantee is that Mike McDonald will not be taking his shirt off in front of DK Metcalf at any time either. So he's, he does not have that kind of personality. Mm-hmm. Um, he is. He talk, He he even describes himself as, and a lot of his family members describe him as an introvert. And he is not a guy that I think really excels or feels very comfortable uh, in in large group settings addressing. Uh, but he is smart, and he knows how to you know get the best out of players, and he can relate to players one on one. Now, is that a bad thing being an introvert and being a head coach in the NFL? I don't think so. I think Kyle Shanahan strikes me as an introvert. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem like a guy that's very rah rah in the media. That uh, is a guy that's going to you know, pound his chest the way a guy like Dan Campbell would or, or Pete Carroll would. I think Bill Belichick is an introvert mm-hmm. in, in many ways. Extrovert versus introvert, I don't think has any bearing on the success of a head coach because I would say that I'm a little more introverted and I don't think that's helped me back, so to speak, in, in getting to where I've I've wanted to go, at least off the air. I mean, I'll share all sorts of things when you put a mic in front of me. Um, but <laughs> uh, introverted people, I think, have a much heavier weight to the words that they say rather than people who are just an open book and right. will talk about anything. Because when Kyle Shanahan says something in a press conference, I feel like there's a lot more meaning behind it than – I don't know who's a head coach that just kind of talks to talk or like Jerry Jones, mm-hmm. who, who just he's a extroverted team owner slash general manager. Like when he's saying stuff, it's kind of like, OK, well, that's just Jerry. Whereas when Kyle Shanahan talks, everybody kind of listens. Everybody kind of right. perks up and is like, oh, what's he got to say about this? Right, right. Have you ever played for an introverted coach or, or, or somebody that wasn't necessarily seeking out the spotlight, but still maybe was able to get a lot out of you and, and your teammates? Yeah, Coach Doba, Washington yeah. State University, man, defensive coordinator, um, low-key kind of guy, never got in front of the, the team and and did the the rah-rah pregame speech. He left that for his uh, his assistants, man. So, and that exactly, that's where your assistants come in too, right, is that um, you got to be yourself as a head coach. Um, things have to work the way that you want it to work, um, whether you have success or failures. It has to be you, but you got to be supported by um, your assistant coaches. They, they'll help you support. Well, they'll, so, they'll, so, they'll help you connect with that team or the 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 masses, so to speak. Now, you're going to get in front of the mic after a win, after a loss. You're going to get in front of the mic um, after a training camp. And just because you're an introvert doesn't mean that um, you can't lead. It just means that the leadership might look a bit different than what we're used to because Pete Carroll is not an introvert. He is out there. He will shake hands. He will kiss babies. Um, This is a different type of vibe. So I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. As long as you are a hard worker, if you are organized, if you have a game plan that works, if you can communicate that game plan, if you can hire good coaches, if you can control the culture in VMAC and, and make it something that is positive, something that John Schneider's talking about and keep that foundation over there, I think you could be 
the man for the job, man. So um, I look at Mike McDonald, and I don't hold that against him. I don't know. if, if Let us know if you guys are holding that against him. 866-979-3776. Is that something that you see as less attractive when you talk about um, a leader, being an introvert? I, I see nothing wrong with it. Yeah, Hensley then went on to add that McDonald is obviously a direct descendant from the Harbaugh coaching tree, having spent time coaching under Jim and John. Um, but wonders just kind of how he would be able to command the attention of a locker room. I think he has learned a lot from not only being under Jim Harbaugh, but John Harbaugh. Guys who, they've made their the whole careers out of, you know, addressing teams and uh, really being, a, you know, these great psychologists and trying to, you know, tap into a team's mindset. So I think he has learned that over the years. Yeah, and that's what I would love to see when you hear, you know, when the, he goes in these interview processes. You know, are the owners impressed with him one-on-one? Because I think one-on-one he can be very influential and, and get his point across. But when he goes and, and has, you know, sits, stands in front of 60, 70, 80 guys in training camp, how is he going to be able to really get the message across? Let's be authentic. I, yeah. I think, yeah, in this day and age, and we've talked a lot about the generation difference between the Legion of Boom era and what it is now, where you were trying to preach to millennials back then who have now grown up and become, uh, you know, in their late 30s, early 40s, and now you're trying to talk to uh, Gen Z players, guys who are in their early 20s. I think one thing the Gen Z, and I mean, I think every generation appreciates this, but I think they appreciate it a little bit more is just absolute authenticity and just realness and and don't beat around the bush if you can be honest with them and i think that's why dan campbell has uh been so successful mm-hmm. in detroit is that he has been 100 percent, or at least from the outside looking in we're not in detroit every day we're not you know breaking down lions game tape every single day uh but from the outside looking in that's a guy that has uh the trust of his locker room if you can win over the locker room, you are going to win games. And that is a formula that has worked 100% of the time in the NFL. Yeah, this can't be fake, right? And and I think um, athletes do a great job of sniffing that out. And if they do sniff it out, you're going to lose that locker room. I look at a guy like Gannon over there with Arizona Cardinals, and I know we make fun of his explosive pew, pew, pew everywhere, right? <laughs> but that's him. Yes. You know what I mean? That's He's being his true corny self. Now, we spent a lot of time talking about McDonald, but Phil Yates thinks that Ben Johnson is the best coordinator uh, to become a head coach. Cut 22. You know, I think Ben Johnson's headed for Washington to coach the commanders and they'll have the number two pick and they'll probably get, uh, you know, whoever their favorite quarterback is, uh, not named Caleb Williams in the draft. I will say this is that I have been impressed with the play calling ingenuity of Ben Johnson. And because I remain of the fundamental belief that whatever you can do to surround your quarterback with the right pieces, uh, and I talk about not just wide receivers and offensive linemen, but also coaches, I think that's usually the most you know, tried and true successful plan uh, in the NFL. So I would say that Ben Johnson, because he is on that offensive side of the ball and has a lot of work with quarterbacks, probably gives me the most confidence. But, you know, certainly there's still a lot that he has to prove, even with what looks like a pretty darn good resume right now. I agree with that. Um, I like Ben Johnson's play calling. I love the way he gets the tight ends involved. Um, love what he does with the run game. 
and he can throw or he's helped Jared Goff take his game to the next level by throwing that football all across the yard. But he, he's still new in the game, right? Only been a coordinator for a couple of years mm-hmm. over there with Detroit. So there's still some lessons that need to be learned. So when you talk about hiring one of these guys that are young, who are they going to bring with them? And how is John Schneider going to help support these dudes? But I think John Schneider is more than capable of supporting these guys. When you've been around as long as John's been around and there's always turnover in a coaching staff. Every year somebody's gone, you bring another guy in. And whether that new hire has worked out or it's failed, you still are taking data and information and learning along these 14 years with Pete Carroll when it comes to who to hire, who not to hire, and how to support your head coach. So um, because of John Schneider, I'm okay with a young head coach. Bump, when you watch football through through such a different lens than so many of us because you played the game and you know what to look for uh, in situations where the rest of us are just following the ball and whatnot. When you look at the tail of the tape between McDonald, Johnson, and Quinn, uh, what what is one thing that each of those guys does better than like any other coach out there on the coaching carousel? Because it feels like you know McDonald, the Ravens defense, all the stats that they put up are great. But what is it that makes that Ravens defense go? What is it that makes the Lions offense go? What is it that has made the Cowboys defense under Dan Quinn perform uh, so well? Because it's one thing to just have these names, but like, why is it that the Seahawks are interested in all these guys? Well, always starts with personnel. <laughs> you yes. got some ballers over there. <laughs> yeah, all three of these teams have a lot right. of good, a lot of dudes. That's gonna help, right? You put Ben Johnson on the Carolina Panthers, it's not gonna look the same. If you put, um. Uh, Mike McDonald, one of the worst defenses, it it might not look the same, but I think it's all messaging. Offensively, when you talk about Ben Johnson, man, it's just the creativity, the rolling left and sliding the tight end to the right side and influence the defense and, and getting this guy wide open. If you just look at how open guys are, you have to point to your scheme. Now, these dudes got to make plays. All right, um, Ben Johnson will call a play that, that's not – um, ideal for that situation, and Monroe St. Brown will make a play. Um, you look at like, Dan Quinn over there. I look at a guy like uh, Bland over there, the guy who has, what, five touchdowns for an interception or, or five interceptions turned into touchdowns for the year, um, a record. You look at him, and this is a guy who was drafted like in the fifth round out of Sacramento State or something like that. And you get this guy to play at that level. We'll see if he can repeat that. But when you have guys like that flying around and making plays, one, it means that they understand their assignment, they understand where they're supposed to be, and that coach has instilled the confidence in them to go ahead and make that play. Same thing with a guy like Jared Goff and Ben Johnson. You've instilled the confidence. This guy was traded from the Los Angeles Rams. Doesn't want you anymore, right? We're going to give up uh, the Lions, uh, excuse me, the Rams give up a whole bunch of picks to go get Matthew Stafford because they think he's going to put them over the top and it works out for them. Yet Jared Goff has his best years as a pro with a first and second year coordinator in Ben Johnson. So I think you got to look at the positions that they're directly connected to. Obviously, as coordinators, you control everything on that defense, but look at Ben Johnson, look at those quarterbacks. So um, I think um, just being able to communicate your game plan and have those guys understand their adjustments um, is beautiful. And I think that's what they bring to the table, plus a lot, right? The, the, yeah. the scheme and all that stuff. But yeah. um, personality is big. Guys know football in the NFL. Can you get your players to understand it and see it the way that you see it? That's key. And whoever is here and, uh, in Seattle has to do that. 
The 89th Sports Award of the Year, excuse me, the 89th Sports Star of the Year Awards are coming up in February. It's the 15th, hosted by K.J. Wright, and uh, Seattle Sports will be there as well to celebrate the biggest sports stories and athletes of 2023. Find tickets and info at seattlesports.com slash events. Let's get to Headline Rewrites. Headline Rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. USA Today's Bob Nightingale says the Mariners have had discussions with the White Sox regarding starting pitcher Dylan Cease. What's the real headline? Real headline? I'm trying to make it make sense, and I don't still have anything, Bob. <laughs> I, I, Cease is a fine pitcher. Coming off uh, two years ago, he was second in American League Cy Young voting. Gets a ton of strikeouts, does walk quite a bit of guys too, but uh, it would be less years of control for him than if you give up Brian Wu or Bryce Miller for him. I think the Mariners are better off either holding on to Miller and Wu or or directing that kind of trade package elsewhere. Uh, I don't know if Cease is that guy, Bob. This feels like a my team is ready to compete for a World Series type of move. And mm-hmm. I look at the roster. I don't see that. I'm sure you don't see that either, Curtis. Um, I prefer you, you keep Miller and Wu. They've been connected to this thing, right? And, and see how they develop. Unless you're going to get a bat, right? You, you still need a bat. You still want power. Um, you still want to fill up, fill up this lineup. So um, I, guess, I guess I understand it. understand where they're coming from, what they're thinking, especially when you talk about who he has been in the past. But I look at the roster now and go, man, still need bats. Headline rewrites. By the way, uh, Nightingale's going to join us in 13 minutes from now. Can As I you were, Matt. Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Former Washington cornerback Jabbar Muhammad did the unthinkable and announced his transfer to arch rival Oregon. What's the real headline? Real headline, if you're still surprised to see this in college football in 2024, you were falling way behind. Yeah, get used to it. I mean, yeah. Feel your feels, go through your emotions, but you shouldn't be flipping tables over and throwing stuff at the wall at this point. This is how it is. It's always been this way for head coaches in college football. It's just now the players have a say in their futures, right? Um, and again, I remind, I want to remind people that, yes, that kid decided to go to the university, your favorite university, but sometimes you get there and it just ain't working out. Sometimes you get there and you you reach a national title and the guy that you believed in is no longer there. He's in Alabama. You're like, why am I here again? Right? I came to this school because I thought I was going to be playing for this guy. So because coaches can leave, I'm fine with players leaving as well. And also these guys can make money off of their names. We all know that, right? Most of these dudes are not going to go to the NFL and get paid millions and millions of dollars for 10 to 12 years. That's not how it works out. So um, this is just college football. This It is what it is. Just get used to it. And, um, you know, that's why they, they sell college jerseys without names on the back. You know, <laughs> just get the number. You'll be fine. You mean to tell me, Bum, that there are other people that don't feel the same way about my alma mater the way I do? They don't have that same passion and, and love <laughs> affair with the school that helped uh, develop them. You mean to tell me that there are people that root for the Oregon Ducks rather than the Washington Huskies? You're, you're, you mean to tell me that uh, players see coaches moving around all the time with no repercussion and, and no loyalty in their decisions and they do the same thing and get ridiculed for that? Right. Unbelievable. Yeah, this is college football in 2024, folks. That's You're going to see this more often than not. That's the thing that gets me, man. It's... um. Guys are going to move. So, yes, Muhammad is gone, but there are guys who are hitting that portal who will show up on the campus of University of Washington, right? So, 
Um, it's not like guys are leaving and you have nothing. You're not Will Smith on the final episode of Fresh Prince walking into that living room with no furniture, right? Yeah, there might not be the same love seat over there, but you know what? You're going to get another love seat. That's just the way this thing works, man. It's real free agency, whether it's good for the sport, whether you think it's good for the sport or not, whether you like it or not. That's just how it is, man. So um, there are advantages and disadvantages. I think it's harder to build programs now if you are some of these guys, say like a Washington State or Oregon State where you don't have all these resources. Sources. Um, so you got to change your approach. Now you should be focusing on the high school kid more than the transfer portal if you're one of those guys. Um, it is what it is, man. Get used to it. It ain't going nowhere. But I am, um, I do think that there should be some regulations going on. I said last week, get these guys two to three year contracts and uh, move on from there. Headline rewrites. The Kraken held on to beat the Blue Jackets 4-2 to two last night. What's the real headline? Real headline, it's no coincidence that Jordan Everly had two goals after appearing on our show last week. It's natural. It's how, I mean, it's how the universe works. You send them our, our way, Kraken. And we got you. you know, send them our you way. You know who I want to talk to next? Yanni. <laughs> I want to talk to Yanni. We um, talked to him last season. We did. Haven't talked to him this year. We did. I want to talk to uh, Decor, too. I know he went to ASU, right? He did. We we talked to him at the very beginning of the season, right uh-huh. before he became like the starting goalie. So I guess, I'm saying. I guess we are now responsible for we him are. taking off. We are. Kraken have one game left before the All-Star break. They've got a long All-Star break bump. Their their last game is the 30th. They don't resume play again until February 10th. So they get a full 10 days off Good for them. before returning to the ice. That's uh, in Philadelphia on February 10th. They play the Sharks. The Sharks are really bad. Like, we have any All-Stars? So bad. Uh, the Kraken? Yeah. Yes. Oliver Bjorkstrand, the only All-Star. Remember, uh, Bjorkstrand was... Uh, they filmed Hackstall and Bjorkstrand in the locker room uh, when Hackstall delivered the news that he was going to be an all-star. Oh, yeah. And was like, yeah. where, are you, where are you vacationing uh-huh. over the all-star break? Oh, wife and I are going down to San Diego. Nah, nah. No, San you're going to Toronto in February <laughs> where it's cold instead of the, the sandy beaches of, of San Diego. Poor Oliver Bjorkstrand. Hopefully you, he gets that vacation. Have you ever been to Toronto? I have not been to Toronto. Me I've Matt. only I've only ever been to BC up in Canada. Yeah, me too. Vancouver. Actually, no, nah, that's a lie. I've been to Edmonton, Saskatchewan, but really like hung out. I've only been um, to BC, Vancouver. Vancouver is one of my favorite cities that I've been to. Yeah, it has the Northwest feel, um, but there's something different about it. Canadian, I guess. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I remember walking. I was remember walking downtown in BC when I was with the um, the BC Lions and there's this guy selling records, right? Yeah. So I go through the record deal and um, and I go, how much for this? He goes, 20 bucks. I go, you sure? He goes, 20 bucks. I grab it. It's an original copy of uh, Sugar Hill's Rapper's Delight. Wow. And I go, I gave him the 20 bucks. I go, man, you messed up, dog. He yeah. Goes, what you mean? I go, do you know what this is? He goes, yeah. I go, dude, 20 bucks for this? I should be paying thousands for this. So I got that at home. Don't come after me because it's, it's locked away somewhere safe. Rapper's Delight. I was listening to that with my son this weekend. It's the most random song ever, but one of the first rap songs ever put on Bang, wax. bang, boogie da boogie. Da boogie. There's a lot of randomness going on in that song, man. All right, Curtis mentioned it. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined by USA Today's baseball col- columnist, Bob Nightingale. We're going to ask him all the things. This is the Bump and Stacey Show. I'm Michael Bumpus. He's Curtis Rogers. Bob is next. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. 
This is the Bump and Stacy show. We got Curtis Rogers filling in for Stacy Ross, and now we are joined by USA Today's Bob Nightingale. Bob, how are you doing? Yeah, doing great. How are you guys? We're doing all right. We're doing all right, man. You know, it's um, it's football season, but it's baseball time, Bob. Uh, <laughs> one, we, their streets are talking about some stuff going on with the Mariners, man. Are you hearing any rumors with the Mariners? Well, another stone train tracks with the White Sox with the uh, for Dylan Cease. Which is kind of interesting because you keep, you know, hearing about the uh, Mariners, you know, grabbing some position players, but Cease is certainly being an upgrade over the, you know, the two young guys in the rotation. You know, a little bit of question marks for fourth and fifth starter. You know, he would definitely be, you know, a, a co-ace. So I find, you know, I find that interesting. That you know, I mean, if they got Cease, you know, you could argue their rotation through four, you know, might be the best in baseball. How would you characterize those talks between the Mariners and Cease? Is it exploratory at this point, or are we talking maybe a little bit further down the line? Well, they've been talking for a while, but everybody's been complaining about the White Sox's asking price. So, you know, I'm sure it's not high, you know, when they're getting Miller or Wu as a centerpiece, and they want at least three more pieces with it. Uh, so they, you know, they're talking about being patient. But Seattle, you know, they – uh, the factors still talking where teams like the, you know, the Yankees and Dodgers aren't, you know, puts them, you know, more in the forefront if they want to get something done. But, you know, it may be a thing where just everybody waits in spring training and says, Hey, I've, if I have an injury, I'm going to jump all over this guy. Uh, maybe don't, you know, teams like Seattle, you know, Yankees, Dodgers, uh, Atlanta was in there for a while. They're out now. So a lot of the teams that we're in are, are kind of out. Do you feel like the Mariners should be patient, or, or do you think they should be a bit more aggressive this time of year? Well, I would say be more aggressive, but having said that, you know, everybody seems like they're being patient. I mean, I, I thought the uh, Chicago Cubs got a great deal getting Hector Neris and just a, a you know, very solid reliever, just on a one-year deal for $9 million. So we're, uh, you know, Adamino went back to the uh, uh, Mets, uh, that four and a half million and he opted out at six and a half. So it was a $2 million mistake on his part. So, you know, and guys like, you know, Bellinger out there, Blake Snell's out there, but the asking prices, no one wants to meet. So he's kind of waiting for those prices to drop figuring at, at some point here, you know, some panic might be setting in and say, you know what, uh, if I'm a player, I want to know where I'm going to spend the summer. I want to know where I'm going to be in spring training, kids in school, that, that sort of thing. So usually you see, a lot more activity here, you know, um, beginning February 1st, you know, right up to a spring training. Bob, the last time the Mariners made a trade where they dipped into their farm system and acquired a, a top-line starting pitcher it was for Luis Castillo in the 2022 season, giving up uh, Noel Marte and Edwin Arroyo for him. Uh, and then they were able to extend him shortly thereafter. Now, let's say the Mariners do acquire Dylan Cease at some point over the next coming days or before spring training starts. Is that a move made with the anticipation of an extension coming? Because you look at just kind of, you know, the, the time left on Miller and Wu's deals before they hit free agency. I think they've got what, five, six years apiece before they even come close to that. You're giving up a lot of years of controllability with those two for only a couple with Dylan Cease. And that kind of is different it's a departure from what Jerry DePoto and the Mariners front office have kind of emphasized really over the last few years. 
No, it is. And, you know, I, I wouldn't think an extension would come. He's represented by Scott Boris. And Boris usually wants his clients to hit free agency. But you do have him for two years. And the one thing, you know, about a Dylan Cease is you can still, you know, turn around and trade him at some point if you're not, you know, not in the race. Uh, a little bit what the San Diego Padres did, you know, when they went and got Juan Soto, trading him for two and a half years. Well, after one and a half years, you know, the, uh, Nothing happens. So they say, oh, let's get you know, at least 70, 70 cents on our dollar. We're on a thing like this, too. You know, Cease may have as much trade value at this deadline, if, 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 uh, if not more, especially if he starts off uh, strong, like people think he will, and be the Cease of a, uh, 2022 instead of 2023. So, uh, so, yeah, even though you won't have that kind of control, you still have a guy that's a uh, very, very good. I mean, finished second in the uh, Cy Young voting a year ago uh, last season. Struggled, but so did that whole team. And I think a lot of times when you see a bad team, it just brings everybody down. Last you talk about being in the race. Last year, um, the Mariners were out the race for a little bit and kind of clawed their way back, fell a little short. Um, when you look at the roster right now, man, are they how competitive would this team be as it stands? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, they made some tough moves, when, you know, especially when they traded uh, a Suarez. You know, obviously Suarez has his flaws, but he's also, you know, a great power hitter. Uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, right now, you know, going in, you figure on paper, it's, you know, the co-favorites, you know, are probably going to be the, you know, the Houston Astros and uh, and Texas Rangers once again. And so, right, you know, I mean, paper doesn't mean much, but Seattle would probably be the, you know, number three going in. Uh, but yeah, if you got that pitching lineup, if they stay healthy, you know, there's no reason why the, uh, the Mariners, you know, can't be that team everybody expected all along. I mean, the year the Astros won the World Series, you know, Seattle could have won that, uh, first series, you know, very easily if you had a lead in every game. Bob Nightingale, columnist for USA Today, joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. And Bob, there are still some free agent names out there. I know the Mariners haven't necessarily dabbled in free agency a ton. They did sign Mitch Garver. Um, but I, I want to look at the market of Blake Snell, who has been a, a person of huge interest out here in the Northwest, obviously. He's from the Seattle area. He's We've seen him at Seahawks and Husky games uh, over the course of this offseason. He's popped up everywhere. And he remains unsigned. I know the Yankees have had interest in him. What is his market looking like right now? Well, he was asking, you know, before for, you know, looking at nine years for $270 million. And obviously no one, no one, uh, you know, budged that. No one came close. And so the only known offer we have is the Yankees say, you know what? Uh, you know, we'll give you a shot in her. Otherwise, we're going to go sign Marcus Stroman. How about a uh, six years at 150? And they didn't even bother to counter, saying, you know, that's not, that's not near enough. So I would think it's going to take at least $200 million to sign Blake Snell. And people are just a little skittish. Yeah, he won two Sun Young Awards. He has also had some rough years in there, too. Uh, does not pitch deep in the games. So I think the, uh, you know, the, kind of the, jury's, the jury's out, uh, you know, where, where he's going to end up. So I think everybody's just kind of waiting to say, okay, if that price, you know, drops down to around – 200 or uh, high 100s, then I think you'll see some more teams jumping in, uh, including a, you know including teams like the Angels, who I've talked about Snell for months now. Uh, but we spent some time talking about pitchers, but uh, man, no no denying the Mariners need a bat, and 
we talk about hitters and, and coming to Seattle, the first thing that pops up is the ballpark, right? T-Mobile isn't built, um, isn't a friendly, uh, a hitter-friendly park. Um, is that a main concern when negotiating with these free agents, or do you feel like enough money will make anybody just jump on and, and head to Seattle? Yeah, I think the money money would do it. Uh, you know, if, if, if the money is equal, uh, you know, it might be a different story. But a lot of these guys are out there are kind of older players, you know, not so much, you know, not Cody Bellinger, uh, you know, but guys like Justin Turner and J.D. Martinez, uh, Jorge Soler, you know, that sort of thing. So it's not like, you know, you're not, they're going to get long-term contracts anyway. So I would think in all those cases, uh, even, even Bellinger for that matter, the money would talk. Uh, you know, as long as these guys get paid what they think they're worth, you know, they'll go for the highest bidder no matter where it is. Bob, uh, when you look at the trade market right now, uh, are there any names besides Dylan Cease uh, that you think could get moved prior to uh, teams reporting for camp, not just you know with the Mariners, uh, but just kind of league-wide right now? Is there any other name that you think uh, could be on the move in the coming days? We don't miss the Twins. We're talking about you know they have uh, you know some excess uh, position players. Everybody keeps waiting for uh, Cincinnati Reds, like, hey, where are these guys going to fit in? Where's the Jonathan Inia uh, going to fit in with so many infielders? So, uh, but what we might see is, you know, what going to spring training with these guys, people get a longer look and say, well, you know what, I, I want this guy, and this team doesn't have room for him anyway, so so let's grab him. So, you know, I, I think at, at this juncture, maybe waiting, you know, closer once the spring training games even start just for teams to say, hey, if we don't have room for this guy, let, let's trade him right now. And uh, I think some teams, too, are kind of uh, you know, trying to uh, figure out the whole TV market. I mean, so many teams like you know, Minnesota and Texas have no idea what they're going to get paid TV-wise. And so they're kind of holding off there, wondering whether, whether they have to make a move or not. He is USA Today's Bob Nightingale. Bob, we appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks, Bob. Sure, my pleasure. Take care, guys. All right. This is the Bump and Stacey Show in Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. When we return, we'll go around the NFL, man, some NFL headlines. We got Kadarius Tony going to Instagram Live. Some coordinators have been hired, and uh, we got some measurements on Michael Penix. That's coming up next. You're listening to Bump and Stacey on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Rost. Curtis in for Stacey Ross. I'm still here. Michael Bumpus. It's time for some NFL headlines, man. This was juicy. An active Chiefs receiver, Kadarius Tony, took to Instagram Live to accuse his team of lying about his injury status. Tony was listed as out with a personal slash hip designation, but he would have missed the AFC Championship game anyway because his child was born, his daughter. So uh, this is juicy, man. First off, yeah. keep quiet. Keep keep family business, family business. You don't go out and, uh, and air your dirty laundry. If you got a problem with him, you go ahead and talk to him on the side about the situation. Well, if you think this is a way to ensure yourself that you'll play in the Super Bowl, think twice, Kadarius, because there's no way <laughs> the Chiefs ha- hear what Tony has to say and are like, oh, okay, we're going to reward that yeah. uh, with a – with a spot in the Super Bowl, we clearly showed that we can win without you. Uh, and by the way, Tony has not had the kind of season nah. where he can be spouting off like that. I get that you know he's mad that he's inactive, but he probably wasn't going to play anyway. Uh, 
like you said, because of the birth of his child that he was away to attend. So, look, Kadarius, you you have made this a lot more uh, difficult on yourself (laughs) than it needs to be. Uh, Some other Chiefs news. uh, This just coming down. uh, Charles Omenahue, who had that strip sack of Lamar Jackson yesterday, uh, he is out for the Super Bowl. The torn mm. ACL tore it yesterday. Saw that. Uh, at the end of the game, had seven sacks in just eleven games this season. Uh, so that's a big loss for Kansas City heading into uh, heading into the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's rough. Um, back to Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, 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 man. Travis Kelsey's there. They'll be fine. Rasheed Rice is there. They'll be fine. And uh, Valdez Scantley had himself a big catch at the end of that game. They'll be fine. You're already doing a good job with with average receivers in the NFL. Tony, man, you should just be quiet and put your jersey on and run out the tunnel. And hopefully um, you got the confetti at the end of the game. Uh, But, yes, big loss for the Kansas City Chiefs, man. All right, um, a trio of offensive coordinators have been hired. The Browns are hiring Ken Dorsey. He was the OC for the Bills before being fired. You also got Kellen Moore. He'll be in Philly as an OC there. And the Bills have removed the interim tag on Joe Brady. He will be the offensive coordinator there. I'm interested to see what Ken Dorsey does with the Browns because the knock on him was that he was not running the football yeah. with the Browns. You have to run the football. We'll see if Nick Chubb is going to be around um, or healthy enough to play. You got a Kareem hunt over there as well. Um, I think it's a good hire. I think Ken Dorsey is a good offensive coordinator, but he might have to tweak his game planning just a little bit. What I think was hilarious about Cleveland's hire of Ken Dorsey is that they dropped that news at the end of the AFC championship game. When everybody's eyes were you know watching that game right. no one's attention was anywhere else besides the chiefs and ravens the browns went they tried to sneak that one by now dorsey got fired mid-season by the bills i would imagine their fan base saw that higher and they're like what really like <laughs> you're bringing this guy in are you kidding me uh very very smooth of them to drop that in at the like biggest moment of the afc championship game that's uh, that's PR 101. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah, when you when you know you're about to get raked over the coals mm-hmm. for something, you go and drop that news when, when no one's paying attention. Yeah, and the Kellen Moore to Philly, I'm interested. Um, he yeah. had uh, some years with the Cowboys that was all right. Then I believe it was with the Chargers after that. Yes. It was okay. Kellen Moore was um, like crowned the the whiz kid right he he's, was he's gonna be the the next great offensive mind and, and had some good years let's see what he does in philly with uh with all the expectations that um that have appeared over there now and the bills were moving the tag from joe brady's i mean that we knew that was gonna happen right yeah, his they, team turned a corner when he started calling plays for the bills man so i'm excited for those guys we shall see and then um arthur smith is interviewing for the steelers vacant oc job i don't uh, i don't remember how how I feel about Arthur Smith really? as an offensive coordinator. I know he I, was as with, a leader, I understand that, but uh, as an OC? He was with Tennessee for a lot of years. Okay. Yeah, he was. A, lot, a really good ground game, but that mm-hmm. was due in large part to Derrick Henry being one of one. They had decent quarterback play out of Ryan Tannehill, but never asked him to do a ton. You add him to a Steelers offense that has Najee Harris and what Jalen Warren got a good run game over there. They do have a good run game. They need a quarterback in the worst way. 
again, if, if Arthur Smith were connected to my franchise in any way, I'd be like, this is not a way to get me excited. Man. This is not a way to drum up the fan base and, and be like, we got our guy. It's <laughs> Arthur Smith. Oh, no. Arthur Smith should just take a year off, honestly. And then, you know, people kind of forget about a little bit of what went down in Atlanta. And then he kind of, you know, finds him a uh, spot. But you know how this goes, Curtis. Man. Take a year These off. guys get recycled. Take a year off. Have daddy take care of you. <laughs> daddy FedEx. Daddy Fed. And, uh, yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be good to go. We'll see what Arthur does. Michael Penix. He got uh, some senior bowl measurements. Hands, 10 inches and 3 eighths. Height. Six two. Is that a big hand? That's a big hand. That's huh? a big hand. Yeah. Um, I, I shook his hand before. I remember thinking he got some big hands. Yeah. I think most offensive linemen measure around there. So Penix has some some catcher's mitts on him, and then height of six two. That's a good size for a quarterback. Yeah, that's good size. My thing I, is, yeah. why, we're talking about hands, man. Like, <laughs> we're really talking about how big hands are. Yes. What, what, who's the quarterback? Was it Russell with the small hands? Who had it small hands? It was Joe hands? Burrow. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, I think, had nine-inch hands, and then Burrow tweeted something like, oh, no, I guess this means my NFL career is over before it started, right. and like just joking about it. And clearly his hand size has not uh, hampered his, his NFL job. Russell, I think, had some like abnormally large yeah, hands big for hands. somebody okay. of his height. I think he had similar hand size to like Michael Penix. Um, we measured hand size around the office a couple of years ago. I came in at ten even. Really? Yeah. I got. I'm, I'm interested. I don't think I have Do big you, hands. I don't. Did remember. they measure your hands in, in the draft process? I don't process? remember though. You don't remember? I don't remember? It must not have been impressive. That's why I don't remember. Mac and Jack's text line is there eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. If you can find Michael Bumpus's hand size <laughs> somewhere on the internet, please send that link. Find in. it. Find uh, it. Uh, Bob, I want to play this audio from Dan Campbell. We talked about it a little bit uh, in the show, but we didn't play the audio. Him just keeping it real in his post-game press conference, being like, "Hey, this might have been our only shot." And it's a lesson learned. And look, I told those guys. This may have been our only shot. Do I think that? No. Do I believe that? No. However, I I know how hard it is to get here. I, I'm well aware, and it'll be, it's going to be twice as hard to get back to this point next year than it was this year. That's that's the reality. And if we don't have the same hunger and the same work, which is a whole other thing, once we get the off season, um, then we got no shot of getting back here. I don't care. Uh, how much better we get or what we add or what we drive. It's irrelevant. Um, it's going to be tough. Do you appreciate Campbell keeping it real? Keeping it one hundo. I love that, man, because you hear coaches talk all the time. They dance around the question. They gave you the PC answer. No, he's right. It's going to be that much harder to get there because you're not sneaking up on anybody. And uh, it, man, it's just hard to win in the league unless mm-hmm. you are the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, keeping it 100. We need y'all to keep it 100, man. When we come back, it's time for you guys to chime in on who you want to be the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Give us a call, 866-979-3776. Who do you want as the head coach? Man, looking forward to it.